0: By the time you hear this podcast, you won't argue with God's ears. Hit it!
1: Put it! But I need that pop, lay up, pop, but lay up from the top. Lay up, pop, but lay up from the top. Understand? I drop a photo of you. You dig it? send
0: see me in the top of the box.
1: It means on a downbeat. All right. Mr. Brown. Yes, ma'am. We rehearsed it just like you told us. We got it just like you like it. Jimmy can't play that with the part he's got. We can change the part if you like. Don't change it. Did I say change the part? Huh? Fellas, does it sound good?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Does it feel good? Yeah. God made your ears. You didn't make them. You're going to argue with God's ears. If it sound good and it feel good, then it's musical. So
0: play it like I say, play it. Welcome to Pie. the time you hear this podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with another episode. This is episode one thirty-one.
1: Hey, Hey, I
0: I don't know what, what that might mean. Hopefully it means something to you. uh, Uh, The listener. uh, We just happy. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's been a while. um, But, uh, we, we're trying to get this together, so we're, mm-hmm. we're. I'm glad we're able to do another episode. Uh, so if you want to tell people about it, because you haven't been able to tell anyone yet, and you just want to be reminded, um, you can uh, go to our Facebook page to follow us on our social media. We're on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this spelled Y-O-U, and we are on Instagram, at by the time you hear this spell with the letter U because we're urban. Yes, we are. And if you want to listen to us on the go. Because uh, you want to avoid that annoying co-worker because you still have to go into the office. That's now talking about Falcons to the Super Bowl.
1: Hold up. What? No. Because of one win. They had a lumbotomy. <laughs> <laughs> Was this was the plot of um, Major League? <laughs> like, no, that's not gonna happen. Get out your head.
0: No. Oh well, to spite the owner, they're like, we're gonna try to win games. Yes,
1: that's what happened. Despite the owner, because she <laughs> she cut everything,
0: <laughs> all the amenities, and was trying to move the team to Florida. Now, this Major League was 1989, which was four years before, before the Marlins. Right. So, yeah,
1: that was the leagues. That was basically probably the leagues. Um, LA. At the time, I was like, I'll move the team to L.A. I'll move the team to Seattle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> move to the team to Portland. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
1: Have you, hold on. Do you have any? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you? Are there people in your office that think that after one win? Oh, no, no. Okay. I was going to say, like, I thought you were smarter people than that, man. Like, what is going on?
0: <laughs> I just I just know that some one of our listeners, somebody somewhere has to deal with a ridiculous coworker saying those kinds of things to come back, man, to come back. You'd playing harder now. You're like <laughs> like, like there's somebody I know. There's somebody I know that's a Jets fan and they're like, man, I, I, I hope we win a game. I just don't know which one it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I looked They've at the schedule.
1: Bad. People want Adam Gase out of there, man. Dude, He's trash.
0: He's <laughs> trash.
1: Hey, man, it's, uh, I was looking at the, you know, <laughs> I was looking at the
0: Jets schedule there. They have a bye week 10 and I'm like, they'll mm-hmm. win the bye week. They'll That's win that.
1: <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know, if all said and done, you know, tanking for Trevor, they get Trevor Lawrence and they can suck with him too. You know, That's <laughs> <laughs> where quarterbacks go to let me stop. Okay. Hey, all right. Yeah. All right. Mm, no. All right. All right. <laughs>
0: Uh, so you can listen to us on the go. Put your earbuds in and uh, avoid that Falcons fan. You can listen to us on, uh, if you have an iPhone, we're on the Apple podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on the Google podcast app. Uh, we're also on TuneIn Radio, Auto Radio, Overcast, CastBox, Play.fm, um, a Satchel Podcast Player, other podcast aggregate apps. We're also on Spotify and coming soon. Amazon podcasts. That's the thing. Yes. Oh, wow. Amazon is trying to take over the world, man. Yeah. So coming very soon to Amazon. Um, So look out for that. If you, uh, if you end up using that particular app. So, um, we've been off for two weeks. Um, I don't know what there is to really pay attention to uh, in music. In um, this pandemic, these uncertain this, times. Yeah. Um, uh, uh Afro punk is doing some kind of virtual, uh, performances, a series of virtual performances. Uh, there's been the save our stages, uh, charity event to help say, to help the, uh, smaller concert venues. Um, Yeah. So there's that. If, you know, if people have been looking out for that. And um, I don't, well, I wanted to ask you, Ben, have you been seeing any of those for your consideration posts on social media since we talked about it last? I've
1: been been looking out for them, but I don't think I follow the right people. So Hmm. I don't think I'm going to.
0: Uh, It would have been sponsored posts on Instagram. So it it just would have, I guess, because I follow a few uh, artists. And I'm getting sponsored posts from other artists that may have similar music. Um, Gotcha. Okay. So there's been a what I want to look at also is um, just something something quick here because I I figure we we can easily talk about this uh, because of the Grammys and the uh, I guess the ballots or whatever are going out. So Mm -hmm. for the best new artist. There are 343 artists on the entry list. Jesus. And the. uh, They've made their way to the first round of voting and the 20 acts that receive the most votes will move on to the next step, which is the nominations review committee. uh, Which has met every year since 1995 to determine the nominations in the big four. So, um, and it says here, they, they seek to weed out any nominations that might prove embarrassing to the Academy. If there was what such does that mean,
1: <laughs> it says, if there
0: has been such a committee in 1989, there might've been some discussion about the whispers within the industry that Millie Vanilli didn't sing on their album. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so, um, and, uh, and of course, they seek to boost genre, racial, and gender diversity. Uh, okay. Sometimes at the expense of mainstream pop acts. Last year, Louis Capaldi was not nominated, but they but the, those slots for nominations went to the Black Pumas, Yola, and Tank of the Bengas. So they try to be so more they don't diverse. get
1: Grammy so white. They don't want that. <laughs> yeah, at,
0: at least the Best New Artist category. Okay. Uh, This is the first year that they have gotten rid of a rule about the maximum number of tracks a new artist could have released and still be considered new. The rule had been 30 tracks, but when artists release, it says when they release, especially in the hip hop world, mixtapes and EP so frequently, they can get to the 30 mark track pretty quick. So instead of raising the limit, they just got rid of it. Uh, so, uh, young boy NBA could be, uh, one of the final nominees. He has released two albums, a compilation album, 16 mixtapes, two collaborative mixtapes, three EPs and 14 singles. Since when? Uh, I, this has to be within the last two years, year and a half. He's come out with a lot of stuff. He really has. He,
1: he lives in the studio, it sounds like. <laughs> um, uh,
0: also, Lil Dirk, who's on the song with Drake, uh, Laugh Now, Cry Later, um, he's released five albums.
1: <laughs> this is
0: ridiculous. Like, I I mean, I
1: don't listen to a lot of these artists, but the quality can't be up there. Like, if you're just flooding the market with your material, the mar- the... The quality cannot be good. I refuse to believe
0: the quality is good. Uh, also, um, Black Bear has released five albums. Car seat headrest. I have never heard of this band. They're on their twelfth album, and they are eligible. Yeah. Uh, is Meg- this
1: what Shelby Lynn was trying to tell us about? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, because she she was uh, she made seven albums at the time.
1: And was very vocal about it. Anyone yeah. who gets that reference,
0: yeah, you're that old. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that that was that was a while ago. That was, that was about twenty uh, yeah, years was. ago, I think. <laughs> at least, at least.
1: So yeah, that's crazy though. Like they got they have so much material out and they're like, hey, best new artist. It's so, like to you. Um,
0: like... let's see what else. Megan Thee Stallion. she was on the entry list last year. Uh, but she is still eligible this year. So she may be, she may make the final list. Alessia Cara won it three years ago. Uh, but like I said, she should have been nominated. When she won, it was like three years later. It was three years after that song came out. So, but but I'm, I guess they were still under the rules. She was still eligible. Uh, Pop Smoke is eligible. There's never been a posthumous nomination or posthumous. I'm not su- sure how that word's pronounced. It's
1: tomato, tomato.
0: <laughs> but um, there's never been uh, an artist to receive um, a posthumous nomination. That's the pronunciation I always go with. Okay.
1: 2001
0: um, was the year she won it.
1: So, yeah, we're yeah. looking at
0: 20 years. <laughs> um. Roddy Rich is not eligible because he won a Grammy last year. For what? For uh, he was the featured artist on Nipsey Hussle's "Racks in the Middle." Okay. So because he won, even though he had not been eligible, he wasn't eligible then, or to, I don't know. But he's not. These eligible rules are weird.
1: <laughs> Can we uh, just say <laughs> 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 these rules are weird? No one understands them. Not even the artists. I doubt the Academy does. The, these rules are weird.
0: Uh, Phineas and Mike Dean are eligible, even though they have five Grammys already, because they were they have five Grammys already as producers. Phineas produced for his sister, Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mike Dean has produced for Kanye West.
1: He has his own I think I said this once. He has his own setting on Enter as uh their their um auto tune. That's that's the only reason I know him. Um yeah, this sounds like A E I O U sometimes Y. That's what these were these rules
0: sound like. And uh uh Desmond Child, the songwriter? Yeah. He hasn't heard eligible. that name in a long time. He is eligible for this category. As an artist, as an artist.
1: OK, yeah, he wrote a lot of the um, he he basically could be um, noted for helping Aerosmith come back in the 80s and late night and early 90s. He was working on a lot of that stuff from um, like crazy and um, crying, and all that stuff. He was helping them. He was one of the first songwriters they ever
0: worked with outside of themselves. Uh, also, um, Skip Marley, who was on Katy Perry's single Slay to the Rhythm. Uh, he is eligible. And he uh, one the,
1: he's one of the sons of Bob, isn't he? Or the grandsons?
0: I think he's a grandson. Okay. I think. Uh, so here's some acts that, that may that may uh, be on the list uh, that could be getting down to the, the final five or eight or however many. Um, Gabby Barrett. Have you heard of her? Nope. Uh, Benet. Not Eric Benet. Just Bonet, yeah. Not familiar. Some, he's from New Zealand. Uh, Blackpink, the okay. K-pop all-female group. Okay, uh, Blueface. I think I've heard of him. <laughs> Blueface. I've Blue heard of Blueface.
1: Face. I don't know a lot about them, but I've heard of Blueface.
0: Uh, all I know is the song Tatiana. And, and apparently that yeah. might be enough to get him nominated. I don't know. <laughs> uh, City Girls. Okay. Uh, Trevor Daniel. I don't think I know him. Doja Cat. I know her, yeah. Conan Gray. Mm. Mickey Guyton. Holy crap, I feel old. Uh, who is a black female country singer. And she's 37. So she's, it's not too late for some of y'all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Um, Jack Harlow, okay, okay. Uh, Lil Mosey, Melanie Martinez.
1: Hold on, she's not. She's been around for a while.
0: Yeah, her first album came out in 2015.
1: Yeah, she was on the the Voice, I believe.
0: Hmm. Yeah, uh,
1: one of those singing shows. She had a really cool track. She was one of the first pop singers I heard using trap beats on her on her music, and then mm-hmm. everyone was doing it.
0: Um, of course, Megan The Stallion, NLE Choppa, Orville Peck, Pop Smoke, Rex Orange County, Sweetie, Super M, um, Surfaces, Tones and I. Oh, she had the song uh, "Dance Monkey." Have you heard that song? Mm-mm. It's a very, it's kind of weird, but it was a hit. Twenty Four K Golden, Summer Walker, Morgan Wallen. And young boy NBA. Uh, Never so, broke again. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to go through, you know. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see how, how that goes. Uh, I don't know if Lewis Capaldi will be eligible. Because he might have been nominated for one last year. I don't know. But anyway, uh, let's get to the Hot 100. Uh, get to these charts. Uh, Number one this week is the song mood by 24 K golden or 24 karat golden featuring Ian Dior. I've listened to this song. Um, It sounds like a song. uh, If, if uh, Dr. Luke or Benny Blanco or Stargate tried to do trap, like it sounds (laughs) really super poppy.
1: Oh, I want to hear it then. (laughs) I need to check
0: this out. So that's number one this week. Um, <laughs> number two is is WAP. I got to pronounce it correctly. Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Number three. Don't want to get canceled. <laughs> 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 number three, uh, <clears throat> Laugh Now, Cry Later, Drake and Lil Durk. Number four, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number five, Dynamite by BTS. Number six, Savage Love. By Josh 685 and Jason DeRulo. Number seven, Rockstar by The Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. Number eight, I hope by Gabby Barrett, featuring Charlie Puth. <clears throat> number nine, Watermelon Sugar, uh by Harry Styles. And number ten, Lemonade by Internet Money and Gunna, featuring Don Tolliver and Nav.
1: If I didn't read if I wasn't reading that, I would have thought that was a joke
0: name that you made the name the internet money. money. <laughs> I would have thought you made it up. Um uh because of TikTok, uh, yes. a song that has jumped back up, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac.
1: That, my friends, is the power of social media. An album that came out in 1977. <laughs> the hell that's crazy. Have you seen I, the video?
0: I've seen the TikTok. Is it uh was it Mick Fleetwood uh drinking cranberry juice uh while Dreams is playing?
1: Someone I that's didn't know the, it was Mick Fleetwood.
0: Oh that that's a video I saw. I saw it was him. I didn't know if he started it.
1: No, so I was just I, a, but the, guy.
0: The the trend is supposed to be you're as if you're floating if you're on a skateboard or a bike or in the back of a truck. While Dreams is playing and you drink cranberry juice straight from the jug.
1: (laughs) I never stopped (laughs) believing in in this song. I still play it at shows. I never stopped believing. When I saw it, I was like, I wonder if I had anything to do with this. I'm kidding. I did not think that. I had no clue what it was until I saw the videos. Um, And I just, I think that is so awesome. I am so happy that a new generation is discovering such a great song. That makes me very happy.
0: Yeah, I I still don't have hope, but it's nice to see. <laughs> yeah, go check
1: out, and we did a we did a um. Yes, yeah, so we did episode an episode about
0: the album rumors. Um, it's called uh, I think it's the, the episode is called "Let Me Do My Stuff." Do my stuff, yes.
1: <laughs> the opening track. <laughs> Yesterday's news. It's a good song. All
0: right, let's look at the albums. Uh, number one this week is. Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Number two, Savage Mode 2 by 21 Savage and Metro Boomin'. Number three, Legends Never Die by Juice World. Number four, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number five, Tickets to My Downfall by Machine Gun Kelly. And we didn't do an episode last week, so last week the number one album was Savage Mode 2. Um, Number six, the album by Blackpink. Number seven, "Rumors" by Fleetwood Mac
1: <laughs> It's
0: back. It, it is back. It was number thirteen last week, so people have been streaming it or buying it or whatever. So
1: that's mind blowing. Like people are people are
0: discovering how great the album is. So that's that's pretty the cool. The power, man. The power of social media. <laughs> um, number eight, Hamilton, an American musical, the uh, Broadway cast recording. Number nine, top by YoungBoy NBA and number 10 folklore by Taylor Swift. All right, let's look at the artist 100. Top 10 artists uh, based on social media um, conversations, album sales and radio airplay. Number one this week is BTS. Um, I guess still having the, the remnants of their Fallon week. uh (laughs) number two um i'm surprised they aren't number one but no it it, there's a reason why they're number two van halen we know the rules yes uh number three Fleetwood mac (laughs) what year is it (laughs) 1982 that's what it is (laughs) Uh, number four, Juice World. Number five, Pop Smoke. Number six, The Weeknd. Number seven, Luke Combs. Number eight, Harry Styles. Number nine, Blackpink. And number 10, Post Malone.
1: So I've got to wonder now, because one of two things I think is going to happen, and this fits into what we're kind of talking about today, which of those two bands do you think gets a biopic first? Cause um, they're, I mean, strike while the iron's hot. I mean, I know with Van Halen, it might seem a little awkward to strike now, but Fleetwood Mac also alive and they got a story that's very Fleetwood
0: Mac would be, I think it would be difficult because they're still alive.
1: Mm, good point.
0: Because I, not, I'm sure, not sure they, they want to be involved. They want to be at least producers or mm-hmm. something. They want to make sure the script is right. That um, they don't look bad. That's part of what I... It was hard to get around on Straight of Compton because Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre and Ice Cube produced that film. <laughs> um, and he's
1: like, I didn't beat no women. Sure you didn't. <laughs>
0: um. Uh, so, I I would like to see Van Halen. But Me too. I that would be the more interesting one, I think. What would be difficult is getting, do they want to let out like what really went on as far as why David Lee Roth was kicked out of the band in the first place Mm -hmm. and you know what, and then the Sammy Hagar uh, era and how maybe fans reacted and then kind of the back and forth. I mean, that would make compelling, a compelling story, but Mm -hmm. do they want that part of the story to be told? You
1: know, who knows? I would be, that would be the one I would prefer to see. Um, just because I'm, I'm, I mean, I like both bands a lot. What but, What
0: should be done yeah. though with Van Halen is just like with the uh, BET did the New Edition story. Mm-hmm. I think VH1 could do the Van Halen story and make it a three and break it up, bed. make it a, depart, a limited series. And then,
1: and then, you also do like they did with the Bobby Brown story.
0: The David make Lee Roth story. Yes, that when he goes solo. What? I don't care about that.
1: (laughs) The David Lee Roth. No, great.
0: I don't care about that. David
1: David Lee Lee Roth Roth story. Uh, He goes solo, and he's only like mildly successful. (laughs) (laughs) But he acts like he's really successful anyway. Like, (laughs) oh man, that'd be funny. Mm -mm. I think he had like what a few hits, maybe (laughs) as a solo artist. And one of them was basically a cover, so it's yeah, like, it's like, yeah, okay, well, you were sort of, you were sort of successful. Maybe you should have stayed with Van Halen.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so those are the charts. Um Well, uh, just think, kids, if you can get on TikTok, you can, yeah,
1: you, you can make that some money.
0: I mean, the the biggest song of last year. Was because of, mainly, well, initially because of TikTok. TikTok made the yeah. song famous. We're talking about Old Town Road. Yeah. I
1: mean, it was it's going back as far as, I guess, initially with Whipping and Nay Nay, and then Black yeah, that was Beatles. on Vine. Like, you can, yeah, like, the services Vine have changed, Instagram. but the results are the same. If yeah. you can get on the service that all the kids are using, <laughs> even if you're a 30, 40-year-old album, you can still get some play. You just got to get in there somehow. So I'd be curious to see <clears throat> if this happens again with another older song, with maybe newer songs being played out. I'd be curious to see. I I, I don't think this is the last time this happens. I'm just, I don't know who it's going to happen with, but I don't think it's the last time it happens.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um. I mean, it just, and, but you, you, it's hard to... you. It's hard to predict what the song's going to be.
1: Yeah. Who saw like no one saw this <laughs> in the year like 2020? Like, oh yeah, Fleetwood Mac's gonna get famous again. Like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> and then it happens.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. Um, so I
1: believe this is their second song on the list. Um, it is a band called The Wildlife. Um, I don't think they're signed, they're an indie band. Ooh, I'm cool. I'm listening to indie. Um, they're an <laughs> indie band. I don't know where they're out of, but I really like so far I've liked just about everything they've done. Um, this one's called I Don't Mind. The first one I had on here was called New Meds. Um, wherever I mean however they are signed or whatever, or whatever they're however they're represented, I should say. They make it onto those sponsored playlists. So like I found them initially on that pop rock's play pop rock playlist from Spotify. So in any capacity, they're big enough to get on those. So um but yeah, I really like this song. It's called I Don't Mind.
0: All right, and we're gonna play that right now, and we'll be right back. I Don't Mind by The Wildlife from their album, I'm Not Worried Anymore. It's come out in 2018. And you can find that song along with our other BTT YHT earworms on Spotify. So search BTT YHT earworms and you'll see every single one uh, with the exception of um what was the one band that was taken away? Like Hot Rod Hearts came back, but they took off another one.
1: I think it was Daydream by um
0: I can't think of the name of the band.
1: Um 10 Stories, I can't remember, but I know the song's called Daydream. Yeah, they it was replaced with a different version
0: and you didn't care for that one.
1: Yeah, it was not very good. It's not always better to overproduce something, which is really weird coming from me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like they just did they added some they changed their arrangements. That's really what it was. It's just whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's not there anymore. And I don't listen to the new version.
0: All right. Uh, well, um let's get to our topic here. We started the show with the scene from the film Get On Up, where um James Brown tells Maceo that uh to play a song, like he said to play it. <laughs> Trust God is, and um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. The film Get On Up. Um, I I thought about doing this as a topic uh, after Chadwick Boseman's death. It's something that I thought we thought about doing like the whole time we we've been doing the podcast. Um, I was iffy about doing it immediately after Chadwick Boseman's death. Um, but I waited, um, and just felt like this was a good time. Um, and also not to step on the, you know, not to be insensitive or it might come off that way because Nelson Ellis, who played Bobby Bird, he passed away a couple of years ago as well. All right. So, um, let's get into talking about this film. Um, So I I have some notes, Ben. As do I. I I hope you have some notes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I went back and rewatched it. So I mean, I saw it many, many years ago. I want to say two apartments ago, but um, yeah, I saw it a few living situations ago, uh, shortly after it came out um, on HBO, which is still there, by the way. Um, And it was surreal at first, so... And I guess this is more so kind of away from the music part of it, but I felt like the director was—I don't—I don't, I don't want to say weird for being weird because some of the—I don't know if he was trying to highlight drug use, but then some of the flashbacks and how like so one that really sticks out to me, and it's in the middle, and we we can go back and start from the beginning, but the part where he's fighting in the ring as a kid. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the band starts playing funk music, and I know that's not what happened. Really, it's supposed to be a flashback, and it's in his mind. But like stuff like that kind of threw me off, and that I was like, you know, it made the movie not as grounded as I would have liked it liked it to be. Um, and I don't know if maybe he was trying to, you know, oh James Brown was, you know, this is how he heard or saw things. I don't know, but it kind of took like so, so some of those parts the first time I saw it, it kind of took me out
0: yeah that was um <clears throat> that was kind of i guess part of the the weird thing to me is that this it it looked like one of those films to where i didn't i don't know if the film knew what it wanted to be
1: yeah that's a good way to look at it
0: uh because it's um I don't know if if there's another movie where that we've discussed on here that um, I've said that, but there are movies like that to where uh, it's kind of all over the place as far as the style. So the, mm-hmm. it's the flashbacks and the... Um, where things were seen that were definitely out of place. Yeah. Um, you know, it started with the... The the movie starts with the incident at his office building.
1: Whenever I see that, I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder if Greg knows where that is. But then I'm like, this is this was
0: 1988. Uh, yeah, I don't know that anymore. that that building might have been torn down for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those who don't know, I am from Augusta, and James Brown is the I guess the pride of Augusta, you might say. <clears throat> Isn't the arena there named after him? The, uh, yeah, now, now I think it was like a few years. It had been mm-hmm. up for a while before mm-hmm. it was renamed to James Brown Arena. It was okay. the Richmond County Civic Center when okay. I was sleeping <laughs> there. But yes, it James Brown Arena, same place where the... Well, I don't know if any... I, I don't think all the schools do their high school graduation there anymore, but that's where I had mine. Okay. Um, but as far as his office building, I have no idea. It was the... the Get on Up wasn't even filmed in Georgia. Yeah. It was filmed so in Mississippi. Was, so Yeah, that was
1: very <laughs> disturbing. I didn't like that at all.
0: <laughs> uh, you could
1: have easily filmed in Georgia.
0: Yeah. Uh there weren't a lot of uh outside locations. I mean, you could have gone to downtown Augusta and it even though there are, you know, some buildings that are coming up and everything, um, it still looks like any what's considered downtown in the south, which is <laughs> these series of of stores on this one or <laughs> one or two blocks
1: yep. uh, that have been
0: there since the 40s or earlier. Um but anyway, <clears throat> uh the first thing I did have because the, this movie starts with this scene at at his office building, where are the other bathrooms? <laughs> to, to where <laughs> this lady used
1: this bathroom
0: for this other uh business. Mm-hmm. You know, it this was um it was a shared office space i guess but uh yeah that didn't um i was wondering like where are the other bathrooms to where like you know what this is the fancy one so she used that (laughs) um oh
1: man what was up with that jumpsuit man seriously the (laughs) the, green green
0: velour green velour hey (laughs) I, I expected I expect nothing less from Mr. Brown. <laughs> 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 nothing less. Um,
1: so, what was your first thought though, like seeing him as James Brown? Uh
0: well, first I like okay, he doesn't look like him at all.
1: Um, <laughs> Other than the hair, <laughs> uh, he got they got the hair, and he's um, dark, I'm dark So that's yeah.
0: not dark enough. Not no, not quite. Um,
1: they did their best.
0: They, yeah. I mean, maybe he was the only one they found that could like kind of dance like him. So <laughs> so he trained,
1: apparently he trained a long time, like six yeah. months to be able to dance and sing and everything. So yeah,
0: he put in some work. Um, I, I don't mind the casting. I don't think it's mm-hmm. that accurate, but I don't mind it uh, because okay. it was more about the essence of the character. The essence of James Brown. And if he pulled that off the best out of all the people they looked at, then that's who you go with. Um, Yeah. And I felt that he was also, like, too—he might have been too big to play him as far as, like, his stature because—I mean, physical stature. Like I said, James Brown's 5'6".
1: Yeah. Um, Chat with Bozeman's, like, 6 feet tall. Yeah.
0: I mean, at least it yeah. wasn't Darius McCrary and James Brown in this movie. <laughs> uh so yeah. Um but other than that, I think it was more about capturing capturing the essence because um Nelson Ellis doesn't look like Bobby Bird at all. They uh, tried
1: at the So it's funny you mentioned that because I started looking you know, looking some of these folks up. And yeah, like not even close like towards the end of the movie where they old them up as I like yeah. to say with the makeup <laughs> he that's the closest yeah
0: he he looked closer to him then
1: yeah but that was it like that was the closest but in terms of for the rest of his life not even close like it
0: just he didn't look like him at all um, yeah but uh, other than I mean trying to I think that's I was able to get past that eventually <laughs> Um, and then just kind of look at how, like, ultimately, I mean, I know we'll get to this later, uh, but I think the script, uh, the script let Chadwick down.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm curious. How do you, how do you say, what do you, I mean, do you think maybe, cause I do think there was some pacing, um, which I never thought I'd say. And I think it felt at times a little disjointed
0: because of that. Because of of it being disjointed, um, because of the, uh, I felt like the tone was inconsistent at times. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were, okay, if you're going to have him break the fourth wall and speak to the camera, we would have, we had that like within the first 20 minutes of it, but then for like an hour, nothing as far as that particular device, Yeah, it seemed like. So there was some inconsistencies in how they in the, the different things they wanted to use, mm-hmm. so, and because of that, like I uh, um you know, I felt like it's Chadwick did what did the best he could, I think then the other actors did what they could with what material they had mm-hmm. and the material was lacking, so I think it this it kind of held the film back from, or held the actor's performances from being greater than, for, from being greater than what they actually were. They could have been, this could have been much better. I think, and I guess as
1: as best I could tell, what I felt he was trying to do with the flashbacks was show why James is doing what he does. And then go back to the present. So when he does something, like, oh, he did it because you know, his mama wasn't there, or, or this or that, um, and 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 it sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. I think it was most poignant when his he sees his mom, when she comes back to see him, yeah, and you kind of see that. You know, they show the scene where she doesn't claim him, so he doesn't really want to claim her, but then he goes like, make sure she's taken care of. So it's just like, yeah, it was just, it was it was just inconsistent, and I think there were certain things that were glossed over so that um, there were certain things that were glossed over as maybe to not make him look bad. Um, The first thing that comes to mind for me is his domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that's the only time he hit her, but I think they felt that it would have been disrespectful to not put it in there, but they probably also felt that it would have been egregious to just (laughs) have him constantly walking around and beating people, beating, beating Dee Dee. So it's like, you know... Well, they, it happens once, and that's another
0: it. another thing they glossed over, which I just found out tonight, <clears throat> because, um, I because I was thinking like, man, Tika Sumter's role was like really small, mm-hmm. right? She plays Yvonne Fair. She came on as a background singer, mm-hmm. and
1: was she the one who said, "I can worry about my own backside" or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, she was in it for like five seconds, and. You would think when you're watching it, oh, like, okay, this is when they hook up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see her again. Um, She had a child with James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not mentioned at all in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's just certain things they just kind of glossed over or they just uh, they they're like we'll address it once and we'll never address this again ever. Yeah. Um that being one of them cuz that's something I didn't because I I'm not I guess especially schooled on you know the background of James Brown but I did not know that that they had a child together. I know that they insinuated there was some sexual tension between them because he's staring her down during the show. Um but okay, yeah, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she probably should have had a bigger part, but I mean they just, you know they glossed over The dr- I'm pretty sure they also glossed over his drug use They showed that once when he makes his, when he goes to the um, when they, you know, kind of Quentin Tarantino and then come back around to the beginning of the movie
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah
1: And, you know, they show that he was smoking something and laced with, I think, with crack cocaine or something like that, but you know, don't tell me that's the first time you use drugs, because you don't no offense. Well, apparently
0: but, you know, it's the not a, stories that not a gateway. after watching also tales from the tour bus, he didn't use mm-hmm. drugs till maybe the late seventies.
1: Really? Okay. So, so he just was on that energy. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, some other interesting things I'm saw going in order of the movie, but I know they they bounce around. Of course, for people who haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> um, uh, when the like the next scene was where. Uh, he goes to Vietnam to perform for the troops, mm-hmm. and there's that one lady who's on the the newscaster uh, talking about it, and there's that one soldier that's just, like, staring holes into her skull. Yes, and it was so was weird. That? That I just put, is that a rapey soldier? Like, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, was so, so weird. weird. It's so uncomfortable. Um, so, uh, and then they go back, they kind of flashback to where he talked to Lyndon, uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson. To um, go to Vietnam and the troops. Yeah, and I, I just put, I would be surprised if, if LBJ actually understood what he said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm from the South and half the time I can't. <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah. Uh, and then flashes back again to where he's like five or six years old, uh, with his mom and these are this his mom and dad. And it's kinda weird when he with the scene where she he said, I'm hungry. And then she says, You ain't hungry. <laughs> That's just a spirit moving in you. I <laughs> I'd like it's a real fancy way to say if we don't have any food
1: food. <laughs> <laughs> so he grew up in Tacoma. Yes. Where is, I think Toccoa is what, just outside of, I think it's just outside of Athens or something like that.
0: It's, Um, um, I think so. I know
1: it's like, like really, just
0: really small go nowhere town. And yeah, I, I just, I remember it more for where, it's not where, um, it's 50 miles from Athens. But I think it's north of Athens. Yeah, it's on the border of Georgia
1: and South Carolina. If you go in that way, so our Georgia and um North Carolina, South Carolina. But yeah, it's, it's right there.
0: I remember so. going there a couple of times for like this um, Christian youth uh, retreat thing. I went. Oh yeah, yeah. There, not Rock Eagle, which when I first went high school reminded me about. Uh, apparently, um, I know this is unrelated, but <laughs> he's talking about when he went to a different middle school than me, but he we went to the same high school. And he said that, um, when he went, there was this game where the kids had to run from they're running from the slave catchers. And what? if they froze, then the slave catchers couldn't quote unquote, see them. So they had to freeze so the slave catchers wouldn't get him. And he got caught because he just kept running. So, What um, in the world? Yeah, I I don't. (laughs) It it became a story on the local news like a few months later. But, yeah. Okay. I was like, I went to Rock Eagle and we didn't do any of that. (laughs) So so they must have stopped by the time I I went there before. So, Um, but anyway, um, then they flash forward, back forward again. Uh, The, this was on the, when they performed and they wanted the Rolling Stones to close the show.
1: Instead of the famous and, flames.
0: Instead of the famous flames. This was the Tammy show. And yes. the part where the uh famous flames are introduced, that was the actual footage. That's Jan and Dean mm-hmm. uh introducing them. Um what was weird about that scene is like when he finds out that they're gonna the Rolling Stones are gonna close the show and then Bart is like, Oh, they've never heard of these guys. No one will care who they are in a year I'm like, Okay, if no one cares who they are like yeah, they don't in the downplay show.
1: them. Like it's okay. Like you, <laughs> you're downplaying one of the greatest rock bands, and then oh no one's gonna know who they are. And it's like but it pauses like, but people did not forget who they were. <laughs> they went on to become the Rolling yeah. Stone. Like it's we know who they are. Um, and it's funny because you know, Mick Jagger's a producer, and it's just like when James walks off stage, because I, I know he had to sign off on this. They have this. They they're in awe. They look like they're in awe. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah. Who's
0: this black man who can? I mean they <laughs> they love the Rolling Stones. Where people yeah. who don't realize this, they love R and B music. Yeah. They love it.
1: I mean, they named themselves after a a after muddy a water song, song. A muddy water song. So yeah, they love R and B and blues and all that stuff. So it's no surprise that he would, you know. And I and I do wonder if they were really as wide eyed. It just felt like they were playing it up for the camera. He goes, Welcome to America. <laughs> it's like, all right. I think the guy who played Mick Jagger is from like Florida. <laughs> so the good thing they didn't ask him to open his mouth. Um
0: so but they go, I thought that was a Yeah, go ahead. Huh?
1: Yeah, go ahead, also, go ahead. I thought that was a great scene though, like, you know, recreation of of that performance. And that's one thing I think that kind of sticks out in my my opinion, my favorite parts of the movie are the performances.
0: Yeah, um, the performances, they were great because yeah. it, like I said, it didn't, I, I, he looks nothing like James Brown, but he <laughs> captured the essence of James yeah. Brown. Yeah. And that is what, uh, I guess that that will be the more important thing in this regard. That's what mattered. Yeah. Uh, so we fly after that back to little junior, uh, which was because, um, uh, <clears throat> Joe. Joe. With the, the scene before, Joe comes home and he's talking. She's like, "Where you been?" He's like, "I've been. I don't know what he said he was doing, but it was, sounded like work." She didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I guess after the the Tammy show performance, he. Uh, she goes to leave, and he's like, "Yeah, take take him with you, like take James with you." And then she kept walking, and then she came back to take him. And then he's like, "No, no, you're not taking him." Like, well, what is it? What what? Yeah, do you those want,
1: Joe? scenes just felt <laughs> was so, weird. so weird. Yeah, like the early scenes when he's a kid, they just they felt pigeonholed, man. Like that, just I was like, what am I getting from these scenes? <laughs> That he had a crappy, he had crappy parents <laughs> that didn't want him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, mean... I, I guess. Um, uh, so Joe, who had been beating James, I guess, uh, joins the <laughs> army. He may have also been in the navy because I saw a picture and he had it on U.S. Navy uniform. So he, I don't know if he did both. Or what?
1: See, I would I would not have picked that up.
0: <laughs> I, I saw after I watched the movie, I I you know found some things, some other things. Okay. So James is sent to live with his aunt Honey, who run, who runs a brothel. Pretty girls and whiskey. Pretty girls <laughs> and whiskey. <laughs> um, and uh, I and then at this point, I made the note: um, the first twenty minutes were just a series of moments mm-hmm. and not necessarily a story. Um, Because I needed, there should have been more context with the, uh, when he's doing, when they do uh, I Feel Good, that was for the uh, movie called Ski Party.
1: Okay, so that scene is one that stood out to me this time and the last time I watched it. And that do you think he felt like he was a sellout at that point? Uh,
0: I think that's when he started to notice because in other, there was a scene later when he, uh, when he does, when, when he's talking to Bart about that on the plane.
1: Yeah. Going to see the president.
0: Yeah. Like, Which Man, is funny that, because like it would have helped if that so was if those out. if those scenes were together, if this were more of a linear story,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: then that makes sense.
1: But you really have then to Then the ski
0: party scene doesn't seem so out of place in hindsight. And it does, and it
1: <laughs> really seems out of place. And I'm just like,
0: it's like but there's a, it's there. there's a reason the it's there. There is a reason it's there, it's just in the wrong place.
1: Yeah, he's the same age in those two scenes. And it makes more, and the relationship between him and Bobby makes more sense if that scene is later in the movie. Because at that point, they don't have that yet. So you're just like, who is this dude? Like, Like it just doesn't. So this is why we say this movie is just, it's all over the place, man. Like, just this weird, just disjointed and odd pacing and just, yeah.
0: When the the scene uh, when I guess when the scene ends, cause uh, there's this YouTube uh, video. I saw this channel. He, this guy, he takes uh, the actual like footage from the film, compares it to the actual footage. And mm-hmm. just to see like, if, you know, I mean, you're going to see a few differences, maybe in costume, maybe in, and maybe in uh, the cut of the song that will just be an editing decision for the for the film. But, um, they took that, but like this, Ski Party, that's the name of the film. It was one of those Frankie Avalon movies. It was one of those mm-hmm. movies where, okay, we talked about um, uh, that thing you do. You do, yeah. When they were in a movie The Shrimp Shack Shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those movies to where, okay, this is going to be one of those teen movies about a party. So instead of a beach, we're at a ski lodge, and then we're going to have um, a musical guest. Mm-hmm. And those were those movies were they were they were being turned out pretty quick. So yeah. it was it was just one of those. Um, but it like like you said, it would have made more sense if that was connected closer to the. Uh, the scene on the plane with Bart talking about when he's going to meet the president and is he a sellout and and all that. Yeah. So I asked
1: myself that early on and. Didn't even think to connect those scenes <laughs> yeah. later on. Didn't even think to.
0: Yeah. um, So it would have been nice to have a little more context to to that. And also, uh, juxtaposed to where, going back to Little Junior, stealing the man's shoes, the guy who's hung, hanging from a tree. Mm-hmm. He stole his shoes. Like, you never explained that. Yeah. <laughs> you never explain what that is, um, and also uh, the little junior when they had when they had like the little titles like Soul Brother Number One or Hardworking Man Show. They had one that was Little Junior, but no one called him Little Junior for like fifteen minutes after they showed that title card. So it didn't. It won't make sense. Like, what is little Junior, and then he's referred to as little Junior because we go to live with Aunt Honey. There's already Big Junior. <laughs> yeah, so, and I'm not even gonna So lie. then that's the where part. it made sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, like who edited this film? <laughs> <laughs> um. Going. Uh well up to this point like I don't know what notes you may have that you wanted to discuss up to this point.
1: No, I mean you're you're basically right on it <laughs> in terms of the fourth wall breaking, childhood trauma. Then me you know, like did he see himself as a sellout? Pretty girls and whiskey. The matching outfits for the um yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. Um, and that's of course when he starts singing with the uh
0: with the gospel. What was the name of the gospel group? The because he's Star-Layers. in jail. The Starlighters. The
1: Starlighters, yeah, okay.
0: So he meets he meets Bobby, um, and uh in the in the movie, it has to where the Starlighters come and and he likes the music and then he gets to a fight.
1: Yeah, what was that? They just
0: <laughs> <laughs> they made they simplify. I think mm-hmm. that was simplified too much, uh, because the real story is yes, he did go to prison for stealing suits out of cars. He was stealing clothes out of cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did meet Bobby Bird in a juvenile detention center. But when he met him, James Brown had been singing in the, the I guess, the prison choir or leading the prison choir.
1: hmm
0: And he was referred to as Music Box because he, he loved to sing. So, um, there, I mean, so that's where that title card would have made sense if they had kind of used the story more of how they met as far as James had already been, he had organized the choir or he was involved with the choir at least. And Rather then he than met just Bobby. making it seem like he just in the infirmary
1: yeah. <laughs> started singing. <laughs> oh, this man can sing.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Um, now Maybe they we
1: should, uh, we should remake this
0: <laughs>
1: with our script or even do a cut cuz it's just like the cuz I thought it but now that, that we're actually discussing it a lot I'm like man there are a lot of misplaced scenes just in awful order
0: yeah
1: <laughs> awful order
0: um so uh bobby um helps james get out and because he had to have a a place to live and a job um <clears throat> and they have they have the the starlighters group and they have been messing around with a song called Caldonia
1: Caldonia
0: <laughs> and uh I don't know if the if it's uh, like the, the real story that I've that I've read is that little Richard and James Brown yes, they did know each other and little Richard convinced James Brown to record a demo uh so I, don't, I did
1: wonder how much of that story was true.
0: I don't know if the story is. Little Richard's doing a show, goes to take a break and then the, and then and then they the now the stage. famous flames take the stage <laughs> while he's on a break. I don't know if that's a story that that's that's possible. I I mean I I would think that's possible, but I I don't know. Um yeah, but they did know other. Yeah, I thought that was
1: actually other. very interesting to see, like the boldness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you just
1: go then blank, like, yeah. I
0: did, I did I did make this note. Little Richard is not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> no. He was not he a said, fighter. Come
1: see me at work.
0: <laughs> He's like, no, what's your name? <laughs> Who is you? <laughs> um, so yeah. Um
1: I did not realize though, going back and watching this again, I did not realize that was actually really Lil Richard. I was like, oh, someone's covering Lil Richard. <laughs> it's like, oh no, that's actually Lil Richard. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Um and then I was like, why is he working at a burger joint? <laughs> but I was like, oh, he hasn't made it yet. Okay. Yeah. And that's just me not realizing how close, I guess, in age they were, proximity and all that stuff, you know, from the same yeah. state. You know, probably playing not not probably playing some of the same places, but not realizing that, yeah, they basically came up around the same time. So that was just funny to me because I had that realization like this is actually Little Richard. And he is telling him how to get a record pressed <laughs> and everything. He's like, uh, You got $100? No, steal it. Rob a man.
0: Rob a Lickin'
1: Rob a yeah. Rob a <laughs> <laughs> That was probably one of my favorite scenes. Because <laughs> just like the guy they got to play him just oozed charisma. It was great. Yeah. Like if they make a movie about Lord Richard, they should cast him. Like if they did a full on biopic. Or have they done a biopic already on,
0: on him? Uh, there is one that um it came out in like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh it has Leon as little Richard.
1: From um um The not Temptations the five heartbeats, movie. The Temptations. Well, he was in that too, The Five Heartbeats. He's in both of them. I, David Ruffin. I, I guess it's I guess it's been a long time since I've seen <laughs> The Five Heartbeats.
0: Yeah. That we needed to do. Is, we we've been trying to we we should do an episode about that yes um yeah but anyway back to this one back to this one yes uh so after the conversation with little richard the battle royale scene um
1: racism at its finest
0: that is that is one of the most racist things ever put on film yeah
1: yeah that was insane
0: and I mean, and I they understand just... they want to make that part of the story as far as he had to fight and all that, but I thought it Did was... Did that really happen? Yes. Because I, I was looking that up, like, how true was that? And um, I, I went to History versus Hollywood website. Um. Okay, yeah. As a boy, was James Brown really paid to box other black boys while, while blindfolded? According to his autobiography, they were blindfolded. They were paid a dollar to exchange punches with other black boys. They were blindfolded with one hand tied behind their backs. A boxing glove was placed on the free hand, and they swung wildly, trying to hit one another. According to Brown, these events were known as battle royals and were held for the comedic entertainment of the white audience. Wow, that's insane! Like <laughs> just to
1: think that that really happened. Um, I was I, hoping that was a joke.
0: <clears throat> and I thought it was, I, I, I before I saw that, I thought it was stolen from the Little Richard movie with Leon because mm-hmm. there's a scene early on, like when, as a child, where he had, I think he was the only boy, so his sisters would dress him up, put on a dress, put, on, put him in makeup and all that. And then when his father saw that, they made the scene where he... He uh dragged him to a, a like a boxing gym, mm-hmm. put him put some gloves on him, and made him fight this other kid his same age, like mm. um, to like toughen him up. So I didn't know if that was like stolen from the little Richard movie or not, but according to the book, that really happened. that's crazy yeah that is (laughs) that is insane um yeah so um what was the next oh so the scene that you that you were the part you were talking about where he gets knocked down and then he's looking at the band and then all of a sudden (laughs) they just start playing the Funk. funk the funk just appears to him as a six year old
1: yeah it just it was weird i didn't understand that scene and yeah i didn't i just did not
0: understand that scene uh it needed more a little more context you know um yeah that that part made no sense at all i think they were trying to maybe they're trying to make it a little fantastical but like, like i said the tone was inconsistent throughout
1: yeah and and i agree maybe they were but <laughs> you're right it just didn't, it didn't fit just did not fit
0: um i also had the note of velma which was his first wife who had his first child was not that important to the story and i thought that was weird
1: yeah cuz i forgot about i didn't realize i didn't think about her until she shows up at the um at the private jet yeah <laughs> i was like oh wait yeah he this is not his first wife yeah, and this kid has what looks like herpes on his face. Um, I uh, forgot what I, they I, said it was, but it looked
0: it, gross. It was some disease, but the, the the way that the makeup was done, I just thought, oh, he got into a fight at school. Yeah, at first, that's what I thought too. <laughs> that's what like, it oh, looked doing, like. You know, it yeah. didn't look like you know some like weird uh, skin condition or whatever mm-hmm. she said it was. So, it didn't look like that. It just like he got into a fight at school. Um, Yeah. But her not being part of the story uh, was was weird to me because they made it look like um, he had to choose between Yvonne, played by Tika Sumter, and Dee, Dee, played by Jill Scott. And he chose Jill Scott. That's his first marriage, even though he had mentioned he was marrying Velma. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it, it disjointed there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um I wrote yeah. ju- these and I don't remember why I wrote it, these old juke joints. Um and I think that was one of the one of the performances of the famous flames, but then right after that I wrote his wandering eye. And I wrote that because of his when he was in the um Ah oh God, where was he? In the um diner.
0: Ordering oh yeah, a donut. Yeah.
1: And it's just like he looks at everything that walks by. And I remember in that instance, I looked up how many wives does he have when I really should have looked up how many baby, how many babies he have <laughs> wandering out there because he just, you know, I didn't realize he had a with Tika Sumter, didn't realize he had a, a kid with her character. They, so, they, didn't,
0: they didn't mention that at all. Yeah. They, I it didn't was even know never that, So it was like, huh. Um, Crazy. So I believe this was Ralph. Does he play Ralph Bass? Yeah. So Ralph Bass finds them in the diner. Uh, they record, please, please, please. And oh, yeah, uh, I got some funny. I got some notes here about that. <laughs> the only note I had was it's not about the song, because <laughs> I remember it's... on um I remember watching Comic View growing up, and I think it was Lunell. If it wasn't mm-hmm. Lunell, it was Miss Laura. Talking about James Brown, about how like he's not the greatest lyricist in the world. No. <laughs> it was about, please, please, please. And it was like he was writing it down and just kept writing the word please. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about the song. Uh that's a note I had because it was more about the performance. And mm-hmm. fortunately, that is what Ralph Bass saw. But go ahead.
1: Well, my note was, um, and this brings back memories of Bill Burr, um, the record producer who represented all of the racism in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he was the big, over-the-top, and they they dialed him back a bit later with the few times, you know, the little bit he was in the movie, but like, they just have him thrown out N-words right then and there, and it's just like, he represents-
0: There's he a, a Bill Burr clip about this? all the racism. There's a Bill uh, Burr clip about this movie?
1: No, no, just about movies like that in general From like, I think it was like his second stand-up special
0: Oh, where he was talking about like uh, Get
1: out out of the pool pool. Yeah, he represents, he's like Real racism is sneaky, you check to see if the coast is clear Like, I was like, this guy He's the one, he's a loud, unabashed Racist who doesn't care If people know that he's racist He just doesn't care (laughs) he's re- he's food. representing that <laughs> get out of the studio like <laughs> he tried to kick he didn't want to he's like this isn't a song a song has a verse has a chorus it's not just a <laughs> singing They're the same, please like, okay.
0: please please
1: and it's just like little did he know <laughs> <laughs> little did he know but it's I was just like yeah that's yeah and then he he tones it down a little bit later when he's like, you know, he, you can't do,
0: um you just doubting him,
1: you can't do a live record. That's just too expensive. Yeah,
0: that was another note I had later. The white man always trying to shoot down a black man's ideas. Mm-hmm. Just trying to shoot him down.
1: And it's yeah, like, we should just do a live album. Aykroyd. Oh, no one does that. He was in the Blues Brothers. Just ask Stan <laughs> He was one of the Blues
0: Brothers. He knows. Why, do, why don't um, we just take the gate and and we, you know, we can... Pay somebody less to promote. Oh, see, so, that's not that's not how
1: the game is played. Like it's like you're playing. Okay, so that's another weird scene because Dan Aykroyd continues to sit there and talk while James goes gets catfish and biscuits, and I really wanted one of them biscuits. But he goes and gets catfish and biscuits. And he comes back. Dan Ackroyd is still talking to air. And then he comes back and sits down. And then they, you know, realize that the plan is gonna work, and Dan Aykroyd eats catfish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well <laughs> But yeah, I was like, oh, I totally forgot that Dan Aykroyd was in this movie um, Small part, but very good uh, Well, not small part, I mean, he's not in the movie a long time But um, he does well with what he does Because he's Dan Aykroyd and he's awesome um, So, I, okay, so I, I don't know if we went ahead or, or back But um, I did make a note So, tell as old as time You know, the, the Gwen Stefani, the Hayley Williams moment Oh, he yes, comes yes, in yes. and they want him, but not the whole band. <clears throat> and I felt that I think he actually he did something that I thought was selfless of him and not something that they really expound upon in the movie in that he basically says, if you want them, you if you want me, you got to keep them. Find a way to keep them. And a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> Um, or if they do, they tell you to hang back for a bit and I'll get you when I, you know, i.e. someone like Eminem and D12, like, you know, how long did it take for us to hear about D12? Um, of course, in the case, you know, Gwen Stefani and no doubt, you know, they, you know, she went, she went solo and eventually, you know, forgot about them, but. You know, it wasn't like they were trying to, you know, hey, we only want Gwen up front. But that was done with Haley, and, and Haley did something that was very similar to this. You know, gets a record contract with Columbia, and the rest of them are, you know, signed with Fuel by Ramen. So I felt that he did try to use his leverage to at least keep them, you know, getting paid to do what they love. But while also understanding there's no way they're going to make the famous flames equal in all of this and i thought he did his best and i thought that their egos got in the way they walked out of what could have been a really great opportunity bobby bird of course you know we see he stayed um uh, of course another disjointed part of this movie i don't think i realized that until much much later that he had actually stayed yeah um cuz of cuz the next scene what was the next scene it was like um oh the the um talking about the record the three, <laughs> three chart recorders that was funny yeah. um them talking about you know the the how to set up the show, and then you get to the show and say, like, "Oh, Bobby's there." <laughs> so he stayed. All right, they did a poor job of um of explaining. Uh, uh, that yeah,
0: of explaining that he stayed. Because they did a very poor job it. And then
1: I was trying to look at the rest of the band. I was like, "Did anyone else?" I couldn't tell because <laughs> they just don't address that.
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess you, if you knew, if you recognize the faces like Aloe Black and Keith Robinson are mm-hmm. <laughs> are were part of that group, um, yeah. and. And then you don't see them anymore. <laughs> so yeah. that's all you had to go by. Is that, oh, I thought Allo Black was in the band. Uh, nope, nope. Keith Not Robinson? Anymore. Nope. <clears throat> there, He's gone too. So, yeah, so you had to go by that.
1: Felt like it was a tell as old as time. And I thought that that was a pretty good part of it, of the movie, how they address that. And the fact that that's, you know, you know when we get really talking about music here, that's something that happens. You know, there's a lot of bands out there, a lot of groups out there, That don't make it because there's one, as they said, powerhouse talent. And frankly, we don't need the flames. (laughs) But James insisted on it being done this way. He used his leverage, used his privilege as a performer, and said, if y'all want me, y'all got it. And even they didn't, they didn't even want that. But it was like Bobby kind of recognized it later when he's talking to uh Craig Robinson's character. He's like, You've been hit along because you his best friend. He you taught them like that. He talked to you like that? And he's like, hey, man, James is a genius. He's on this great journey and he's taking us with him. So he was just kind of resigned to be like, hey, bro, I get it. I ain't James Brown, but I don't mind riding his coattails.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, it makes um, me,
1: if it makes me a living.
0: The, It also showed to me that the dynamic between uh, James and Bobby changed. What also might have made a better yeah. film is their friendship and how it changed over time with James becoming a star, and Bobby just being along for the ride, mm-hmm. and not wanting to disrupt anything. Um, because there is also, you know, when uh, Bobby, you know, he gets with Vicky, they end up being they end up getting married and everything. Uh, like I said, on Tales of the Tour Bus, from the Tour Bus, Vicky's is a background singer, and James Brown was in love with her, but she was already with Bobby. Mm-hmm. So, um, she lied to James Brown, apparently, saying that, "Oh, I love you too, James, but Bobby needs me, and that's why James backed off." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, I was gonna
1: say that their dynamic. Have Have you seen the newer version of A Star Is Born? No. Okay, then I won't I won't spoil anything for you. But when you see it, we'll have that
0: discussion. It reminds uh, well, I mean, me. Of, is, it, is it the same as the one with, uh, the one with Barbra Streisand and the one with Judy Garland? I mean, the movie's been made five one. times. I haven't <laughs> seen that one. I haven't seen that one. Is his is
1: his is his brother a sound guy? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was, it was the relationship in that, you know. I would like to say that Bobby kept him straight, but I never felt like he did. You know, he
0: was just there. Uh, and, Bobby couldn't do anything for to and James, James as, was far just like, ego. being the voice of reason, or yeah, uh, James just an egomaniac. You know, or like just, he just being supportive. I mean, it was mm-hmm. basically like. Oh, look, I'm staying because I ain't got nothing else to do. That's Basically, what Bobby seemed like in the movie.
1: Yeah. It's like I can go be broke or I can suck up to James Brown and, and put the put the cape over him every now and then. Like, <laughs> like it was just it it was the weirdest dynamic, you know. But yeah, that was after after they set up the concert. That's when I realized that Bobby was still there. Um and um that was just interesting, like hearing them talk about how he's like, oh, we're gonna, yeah, they got these new three-track recorders, they're, they're great. I'm like, man, we have come a long way. We have come so <laughs> long. Um, it is not nearly as expensive anymore to record a um, live album. They still don't do that great. <laughs> but, no. you know, they're not the the financial sinkhole that they were probably once thought to be, or they were once thought to be clearly. Um but James bet on himself. So that was, I thought, another poignant part of the movie. James bet on himself, and he reaped the reward. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, why he felt the way he felt throughout his career, because he'd always, the only way that he made it was to believe in himself. So not necessarily he was a fighter. He just always had to believe in himself. And then he would go out there and back it up the only way he knew how with his performances and with his music. And I felt like that was the one theme that kind of um, prevailed through the movie. In this disjointed movie, as we've clearly pointed out, that was the one theme that kind of prevailed. Like, James believed in himself. If no one else believed in him, he believed in him. Even when people believed in him, he was like, you don't believe in me. It's like, no, man, I do. You don't believe—like, the discussion him and Bobby had after that one show— where Bobby talked about wanting to be a singer, and James took it just like, shot him and took down it so quick. Yeah, just you shot him to be down. me. Like, bro, no, I just want to sing.
0: I mean, I got an album. I mean, you know, I can yeah. go on tour. I can't do that. You know, um, I, I realized that. So I,
1: I, yeah, that that hurt, man. I was like, damn.
0: <laughs> I realized that um, this was Tate Taylor, who's the director. He directed The Help. Uh, before this. And he's since directed The Girl on the Train and Ma and Ava.
1: He loves Octavia Spencer then. Yeah. This she's is, been in three of those movies.
0: Uh he she has been in five of his movies. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I felt she's that this uh... <laughs> is De Niro sorry I was De Niro. I was like, this
1: is Christian Bale to um to so uh, Nolan Chris Nolan? Chris Nolan yeah
0: <laughs> De Niro he's to he's... Scorsese or yeah. DiCaprio 2's Scorsese.
1: <laughs> or even Joseph Gordon Levitt, man. Like, he's just, you get those, or no, no, actually, Michael Caine. Because Michael Caine's been in, like, six Chris Nolan movies. <laughs> he's been in, like, what? the um He was in all the Batmans, Inception. Yeah. He yeah. was in, what's the other one, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman? <laughs> he's oh, been the... In...
0: uh. The illusion, the is, or the prestige, one of those. Whichever yeah, one.
1: he just loves Michael. He's like, "Is Michael Caine free?" <laughs> <laughs> Get Michael Caine on the phone. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I did five of wow, five movies with Octavia Spencer. That's crazy. Yeah, he's um, a big fan. Clearly,
0: <laughs> I felt that that she took a her and Viola Davis took a huge discount to be in this. Oh, field. to be in
1: this. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh because Octavia Spencer, I felt like her role like was very small. And even though Viol Davis played the mother, it seems like she was in like three scenes.
1: Yeah. And uh, she was acting a fool in most of them.
0: <laughs> um so yeah, I thought that I thought that was that could have been um they I thought they took a huge discount. So that was one of my notes. Yeah, that was uh, one of the things that
1: when I saw, I was like, wow, what, but also
0: it? I think, I really think Anjanue Ellis who plays Vicky, mm-hmm. uh, she, she took a discount, uh, Tika Sumter took a discount or maybe her, her <laughs> scenes got cut or something because mm-hmm. they're not even reference that, uh, they had a child together.
1: Well, I mean, you also have to, as someone once said, there's only so many black actors in Hollywood, good black actors and when you're making a movie about someone this important to um to the history of of music in general but black music and black mu- blacks black people's influence on music you want to get it right so you know you have to go out and and you got to court the best if you you know if you can so it's just like maybe they took that discount because they understood still like hey we gotta we gotta make this a good production cuz they're not going to care about it. We got to care about it. So, they probably were they probably were happy to do it, but yeah, I'm willing to bet a lot of people in this movie took discounts to make it what it was. And even then, what it was was still kind of, you know, disjointed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um um, so uh, back to the the part we where, where Dan Aykroyd is just talking, talking, and James Brown gets to get a plate, gets a plate of fish, um, and the biscuits. Oh, damn, <laughs> thick, they look good. Um, so the person he wants, he goes to talk to at the radio station is Alan Leeds, who later becomes his road manager, mm-hmm. uh, and then later Prince and Morris Day's road manager. But uh, the so, part where he said like "screw payola mm-hmm. I, Mm-hmm. I just had to write that down like that was that was interesting that he became the lone promoter for the shows in that area only because uh, that's how James Brown got around, I guess, got around Paola. It wasn't Paola per se, but if we're paying it him to be the promoter, like pale light though, <laughs> yeah, it was still like uh, that's still kind of iffy, but I guess he got around it because it was it was being paid attention to at the time. But he got around it like, well, if we just pay him as a promoter and promote and and notate that as one of the items as far as our expenses as a promoter because we have to pay a promoter. so basically he chose who the promoters were going to be rather than uh, rather than go through the person who had been doing it for 20 years or whatever yeah so the guys he chose were the 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 young people who loved the music and uh, who who were just who wanted to i guess were like hungry to make this thing work as far yeah. as their career so um just yeah. Sorrow, though, it just felt like pale light like
1: yeah. <laughs> I think I said like this seems like pale with more steps like you just Instead of just paying him just to play a record, you're like, "Hey, I've got this idea. How about you promote my show?" And i it's just like, just pay the person. like it's it's all under the guise of, but I mean, it worked. No one got in trouble.
0: And yeah, <laughs> so um yeah. so the next word I' we'll do is the uh, well, I made that like the dynamic of the friendship between Bobby and James had changed the way he spoke to uh, to Bobby in that rehearsal. Uh, there is the scene that I played at, at the beginning of this episode, where uh, they're at a hotel and they're just supposed to it's supposed to be their day off, but he made them rehearse, and he apparently did that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. And the way he the way he talked to Bobby, he's like, um, was he jealous that you know he's he's talking to Vicky? It was, I guess, implied the, because of how he talked to him and what he said to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you're late, if you're off, or you're holding up the rehearsal. Um, but he, it was like Bobby was trying to be that voice of reason. Um, but James wouldn't allow him to do that. And then, it, and then in that scene later, where the band walks out because they haven't been paid. And then Bobby stays, and then he kicked him out anyway. And Bobby had to say why he's staying. (laughs) So, uh, it's like, what is, what kind of friendship is this?
1: At that point, it didn't feel like a friendship. No. It felt like one guy propping up another guy's ego,
0: because that's his meal
1: ticket. Yeah. Um, That's what it felt like. Go get that band out of Cincinnati. What's that bass player's name? Booty Collins. I was like, "Is that a name drop? A shameless name drop?"
0: Yeah, because the <laughs> the actor who played Bootsy didn't have any lines. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but I thought so. That scene as a musician. <laughs> um, not only did it annoy me, but it brought back memories of what's the name of the one Sideman. Um. That's it. Uh, Wasn't is that the name of the uh documentary?
0: Oh, about um, the Session Musicians?
1: Yeah, Hired Gun. Hired, hired gun. gun, Hired Gun, yes. It brought back memories of Hired Gun, and I felt a little Billy Joel-esque.
0: <laughs> As in, like,
1: you are working your band to the bone. You're not showing them appreciation. Clearly, you're not paying them either. Um, and I was wondering all these things. I was like, he has a private jet. He's got all this money. He's got these, you know, how stuff like that. Like I know he's making money, but damn, is he making that much money? Oh, he's not paying taxes. Oh, he's not paying his band.
0: Oh, he's hiding money. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So it felt it felt kind of scummy, and I can't fault the band for walking out. You know, like one of the greatest funk drummers of all time, and Clive Stubblefield walked out, and it's so. And this kind of brings me to another thought here. Two things. A there wasn't a lot of focus on James as a musician. If you were to watch this movie, you would not know that James Brown played instruments. You just wouldn't know that. He was more than just a singer. But then, too, there's also not a lot of focus on the fact that um how talented the musicians around him were
0: and how talented and, they had, and how they had to be on it. They had to be yeah. precise and how they could have
1: and how a lot of them played into his sound. Yeah. So yeah, he was a musician, but Clyde Stubblefield, who was his, you know, his drummer for, you know, for a while, funky drummer, as we've talked about before, I think, is the most sampled drum beat ever. No yeah. offense to James. James didn't play or write that. So to me it felt like show your band a little bit of respect. <laughs> like just because I know for a fact there have been artists who have, especially when they're lead artists, have um, flustered not flustered—have um, flourished is the word I'm looking for with certain bands. You know, thinking about um, not Wilson Pickett but Otis Redding when he played with the, um, the he played with the guys who played at Stax, Steve Cropper and that crew, versus playing with just like the people he played with at the mon- at the um, Montreux Jazz Festival. When he played with the Stax guys, he was he was markedly better as a better sound. And so when I think back to things like that, it kind of annoyed me how little respect he showed for his band to where he just like oh, just give me that band from from Cincinnati, just like no respect whatsoever. And it's just like I get it, you're James Brown, you're you're this big star, but it's just like that was like I felt like I felt that in my soul. I'll, that's just like no
0: respect. Well, seeing you that, just... yeah, the 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 scene from um from watching Tales from the Tour Bus about James Brown, I mean, that's basically what happened is that they fired the band. He fired his band because they weren't getting paid, and the Bootsies band from uh from Cincinnati, they were a James Brown cover band, so. Mm. And they were the best, and so Bobby Bird had seen them and mm-hmm. called them up. It was like, yeah, well, yeah, grab them. They're they're good, so get them.
1: They know the songs.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think also in that uh, on that show they said that any band uh, that would that played dance music played James Brown. It's like that's yeah. like a standard. Mm-hmm. similar to a jazz standard, the dance music standard with James Brown. Yeah. Um, so I imagine yeah, it, wasn't, so they it had... wouldn't have been hard to replace them, but it's just like, you know. Well, I, I guess they, they kind of looked at it as, and this was kind of a, a theme that I kind of saw going forward, going back, looking at it, is that James Brown wouldn't, he he always kept moving forward. He was able mm-hmm. to change with the times, and he kept moving forward. And if you weren't with him, he let you go. Yeah. <clears throat> if you weren't coming with them, okay, you you, you know, then you're gone. So and I think, that think they would have so, come with it, them
1: though if he just paid them.
0: <laughs> well, see, they're not going to discuss that. <laughs> they're not going to discuss that. It's like, well, it sh- it's I, like, shouldn't be about money. It's not supposed to be about money.
1: <laughs> well, he's flying around on private jets and wearing pinky rings. Like it just, I'm pretty sure they would have stayed. If he just treated them with a little bit of respect. Yeah. respect and, and 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 courtesy. Professional courtesy. Like they didn't leave because, you know, they didn't leave because they didn't like him. I mean, that probably had a little bit to do with it. Like you working as hard. and no slave driver. Well, if you're working for free, yes, you are. Like that's the definition of a slave. You work for free. Um, I but yeah, that scene probably bothered me more than it probably bothered your average. You know, viewer of this film, Um, bothered me even more the second time around because it's just like, yeah, if there was a musicians' union back then, like they wouldn't have, they would actually would have been, they probably could have filed grievances,
0: but yeah, but when you're Um, the hired
1: gun, you know, it's just like yeah.
0: Before that, the um, the Boston Garden concert, which I had sounded like a Kennedy. (laughs) (laughs) He did. I wonder if that was his direction. Or that or that's why he got cast in that part. Like, oh, he does a good Kennedy. Well, the mayor's the mayor's yeah, name isn't Kennedy. Yeah, but uh, Boston. It doesn't matter. Way. It don't matter.
1: That kid's just it was the it was exaggerated. <laughs> um but yeah, so that concert, that was interesting. So of course they would have rioted, you know, if he if they didn't play, I think. They would have been yeah. upset. But I felt that okay, so we've seen all these James Brown shows. Not once has anyone ever jumped on stage and now everyone just decides to start jumping on stage.
0: I think there was a certain energy and for people who haven't, who haven't seen this, uh, this is probably one of James Brown's uh, one of his greatest moments as an artist and as a performer was doing this concert. Um, I think it was televised live in Boston, or or it might have been nationally, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I remember hearing about this concert um, way before I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. And the concert was the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And the concert was going to be canceled because in Boston, they felt like there was going to be a riot. And he felt because he Boston needed to racist. do the show and Yes. Is. Is racist. Oh, I
1: said, did I say was?
0: I don't know, but I just wanted to it emphasize. Is. It still is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Please
1: please believe me. Please um, believe us. It is still.
0: So <laughs> is. so he um, so he um, he does the concert and people were jumping on stage and you know the police were just pulling them off stage, like yanking just them throwing off. Throwing them off, yeah. And he was like, "No, no, it's fine. Like, let him dance." And then once one kid started dancing, and then all these other people started getting on stage. He's like, "Okay, I mean, let, can I just do the show?" And then none Let's of them just could do dance. the show. And no, they were all terrible. Oh, horrible! He's like, "You want to
1: dance?" He starts dancing. I'm like, Ugh. "Get him off! Get him off!" Like, the okay, stage.
0: Get, okay, you done. <laughs> Jay's tried to He's be polite. Coming
1: <laughs> yeah, he up here embarrassing me. That's when he was like, Y'all gonna embarrass me. Y'all embarrassing black folks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um and this scene comes after uh after the well, okay, well in the in the movie, in the the in the timeline of the movie. Uh, they have a James has a Christmas event at his house, and the yeah. man is staring at Dee Dee. Yeah, and then and, and then he hits her hard, makes her cry. <laughs> um, um, and then and then hey, then <laughs> and then uh, well, it was funny. I don't know if Macio has that sense of humor, but Craig mm-hmm. Robinson made him funny <laughs> by oh, yeah. saying uh, like <laughs> when they brought the kids in to do say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. It's like, hey, if they mess up, is he gonna find them? Or... Find them. <laughs> that was so funny to me. It's like I don't know if Maceo was that funny, but Craig Robinson made him funny. Uh, Every
1: instrument is a drum. That was an interesting scene as well. Yeah, know that, that came was a right good after. One. Um, yeah. So I I didn't get where he was going with that at first. <laughs> I got it by the time I got that, I was like, okay, I see where he's going, you know, percussive, everything gets rhythm, yada yada yada. But I I I wonder did that did that really happen? I'd be curious.
0: I feel like something like that might have happened because yeah. uh maybe they didn't make it seem that way, but it's like Maceo was always clashing. Yeah. I don't know if he, if it, I don't know if it was like always but in the in those few scenes he clashed with James as yeah. far as the musical direction and uh it was kind of how James Brown's sound was like distinctive yeah and <clears throat> to where if they're different if the drummer's playing at a different time signature than the rest of the band or if because uh, I like from Tales from the Tour Bus, um, there's a scene with Bootsy Collins. A time with Boot, they're talking to Bootsy Collins, and he says, uh, "James told me, like, son, you're good, but you, you're not there yet. You haven't mastered the one." And like, what's the one? And the one is like on a, I guess a, uh, a four beat bar, the the emphasis is on the first beat. Yeah, syncopation. Yeah, so so if James wants everything to come on that first beat, and then everything mm-hmm. else will kind of flow together, the emphasis is on the first beat. So yeah. I, I kind of got a sense of that. I, I wasn't sure what the difference was between what... Uh, if that was Clyde Stubblefield, what he played, and then made him stop, and then he's like, "I want you to play it like this." Like, it kind of sounds the same, but maybe it's more emphasized. I don't know. I, I it was. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't really catch it. Syncopation but can. I be know subtle. there was there was something that he wanted, as far as he wanted to sound a specific way.
1: Yeah, yeah. With syncopation, which is a, a big thing in funk. So whereas, like, you know, if you're counting one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, like the 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 comfortable part of that four, that, that uh four count is the two and the four. Mm-hmm. Whereas with syncopation, you're just you're playing it on the one instead, the one and the three. And that's what kind of gives it that different sound. Essentially, that's what I mean, that's all syncopation is. You're you're just playing it on those, they're considered off beats rather than the two and the four the one and the three, uh, which is what he meant by you haven't mastered the one being able to, and some people just are not comfortable doing it. I think it's gotten a lot more as popular music has been more funk inspired and soul inspired over the past, you know, 30 years or so. Um, people have gotten more comfortable doing it, but if someone can't do it, it's really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and And I say that with the highest respect for like, you know, there's a drummer named Kobeus, good drummer. He's a good rock drummer, very good rock drummer. He tried to do a cover of an in sync song that a gospel drummer did, like a gospel funk soul drummer did. And if you listen to it, <clears throat> aside from a lot of the ghosting of the notes on the snare drum, you can kind of hear that he just is not comfortable playing syncopation. And this guy is a phenomenal drummer. I, I, I saw him... Tear up things like um, Bat Country by you know um, by event Sevenfold, a whole bunch of stuff, punk stuff, everything. He's great, but when it just came to playing funk, just could not. It felt like he was always late mm. <laughs> because he just could not get that feel, and it's 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 something that can be hard to get because it doesn't feel natural.
0: Yeah, uh, that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> Um, the note that I I did make about the Boston Garden concert is I don't know Garden. if that's discussed enough. So as I was, far as I didn't how, how important about the it was, Boston Garden um, concert. Garden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Southie. But I, I didn't know about that either in, until I saw this movie. And yeah, you're right. That's a that is a moment in time where like I'm Googling it and it says where James Brown calmed the country with yeah. that concert.
0: So I think I think it was televised <clears throat> nationally then. It might have yeah. been on PBS or something or maybe PBS just like re-aired it like 40 years later or something like that. Well, you can also find, you know, for anyone who's interested, it is on
1: YouTube in its entirety.
0: Yeah. It was it it was a um it was it was understated. It's I mean it's understated in real life <laughs> and in this film. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a huge moment. Yeah, um, and it's in black and white, so don't be upset, um, everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this was a long time ago.
0: <laughs> um, so when the band quits and Bobby stays, and they kind of and he kind of reinvents himself as uh, the minister of the new new super heavy funk. Um. Uh, at the same time what is not really talked about much in the film is that James Brown was also producing other artists. He produced, um, he produced Bobby bird has a few albums. Mm -hmm. Yvonne Fair has a few albums. Uh, the, the JBs, uh, Fred Wesley, uh, I don't know if I don't know if he produced the Macio album. I feel like he may have, but he's producing these other artists, and that's why the the conversation is kind of jarring. Where Bobby Bird says, "When you produce my next album, like y'all didn't like we you y- y- y'all didn't bring up that James Brown was also producing other artists at the same yeah. time." So Jeez, a lot of this <laughs>
1: makes sense now, but it didn't. It didn't within the context of the
0: movie, right. Where it should have made sense, <laughs> um, because I and at the time, you know, when that conversation is had, or we can get to that scene, is that Bobby was just—I like, was he just seen as James Brown's hype man? Because that—that's that what it that, felt like to me. That's what. I mean, is that how James saw him? That—that's that, how they portrayed it in the film. Is that? you just my hype man. And I I made a couple records for you, but you're not going out on tour. Who do you think you are?
1: Well, he made it very clear when they signed them that you all are employees of the record company. Right. So he always saw him to me as an employee, even though he called him Mr. Bird. Like it was, there was a little bit of air of for a second there. And this kind of goes to the inconsistency and maybe this really happened. You know, of that, hey, we we're equals. Where he called him Mister Bird, Mister Brown. It almost felt like they were kind of still in this together from the old days of the famous flames. And it's just like, no, as you kind of get on a little further, it's just like, nah, there. He's he sees himself as greater than him. Yeah, really. Then he sees himself greater than anyone. But like, just because I've known you forever, you his best friend, so <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> you know it doesn't matter this is how he sees
0: me and 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 you know so yeah um yeah. because then uh when Bobby wants to you know go out on tour himself uh basically James says like you know you ain't me yeah and he's like I'm not trying to
1: be you <laughs> it's like what do you think but that's just you
0: know like you said, either you're on board or you're or you're you know uh so going uh and then they go back to the Apollo show where Susie has showed up, and uh what do you what do you think of that whole exchange where Susie shows up after all this time and uh <clears throat> she wants to say how proud she is, even though she had nothing to do with what he's accomplished.
1: Yeah, it felt so I first of all and I just say this because I don't know if these things really happened. It's It felt ham-fisted like it was just thrown in
0: because well, they also,
1: you know, put in the scene of, hey, you know this little nigga?
0: Well, the, um, <laughs> the story is <laughs> uh that um this was made up for dramatic effect. She did not that's show up I to figured. the to the Apollo performance. But Velma, the story is that Velma tracked his mother down, who had been living in Brooklyn. Okay, so she didn't actually come, right? And that's the thing. Like,
1: there's I know there's creative license, but like, don't put that in. that because that scene, if it didn't happen, feels like a scene that should have caused something like in his life, but it it didn't even happen. So now it just feels even faker. Then at the end, end, he says, make sure she's taken care of. She'll never need nothing. After you just gave her money to get her out of your life. Like it just, it was, it was an an inconsistently written scene that made me think, did this even happen?
0: Yeah. Um, it could have, I don't know. I I feel like Mm -hmm. something different could have been done in that regard. As far as his, uh,
1: because then it just made her seem like she was just there from, like, I was like, is she on drugs?
0: Yeah. And that she's just is, here yeah. because
1: she needs the money? That's what it kind of
0: felt like. Yeah. Um, and then the, well, yeah, that was the last note I had was about the Apollo. because uh, Then we go back to the um, uh, back to the insurance seminar <laughs> where <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: she pops off a gun and
0: then he, he's chased. Then he he's on the run and he gets chased down and he uh he's arrested. I think he served a year in prison for that. Um, and then had some really weird interviews. So uh there was that, and then it goes to nineteen ninety three, where James goes to Bobby's house, gives them tickets. Mm-hmm. They had not seen each other since James's son Teddy, the firstborn, died. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah,
1: that scene kind of made me think, for the first time, maybe he actually did need Bobby, and that's why he's still like trying to rekindle something. So it's just like, why else would you show up? So because, all right. So Bobby Bird lives in Loganville. Now I don't know how if this really happened, and I did the math. Do you, do you know where Loganville is? Yes.
0: So if that Bobby is pretty far,
1: yeah. So if he's <laughs> playing a show in the area, there's no way he was just or in the around the corner or in the area. If he's playing the the biggest city he could be playing nearby in 1993 is going to be Atlanta. <laughs> so he had to go at least 40 to 45 minutes out of his way in a limo to go see Bobby Bird and give him these tickets. So that said to me, he needed Bobby there was, if this actually did happen, you know, he needed Bobby and he didn't just, you know, leave the tickets on will call. Um, but it just felt like a weird scene when I'm looking up, like what they were doing later in life. And to see that he lived in Loganville, I was like, Oh, that's like really far. <laughs> just to be like, Oh, I happen to be in the area. <laughs> and that's, that's me nitpicking of course, because
0: I know the area, but yeah. Um, so, uh, James performs at the Omni. He sings try me and, um, the crowd cheers. Um, you know, and that's kind of the end. Uh, well, that is the end. Um, so, um, I wanted to get from this history versus Hollywood. This is an interesting site, even though it doesn't look like it's been updated for in a while, but, um, uh, Chadwick Bozeman did not do any singing. That is James Brown live and studio recordings. Uh, Mick Jagger, I guess, got the rights to, to use that. Because um, he's Mick Jagger. Because yeah, <laughs> he's Mick Jagger, yes. Um, uh, he really did go to prison for stealing clothes out of parked cars. He really did meet Bobby Bird. Um, did he really date Bobby Bird's sister? Yes. He he did more than
1: data, bro. That was...
0: <laughs> well, keeping it PG-13, yes. Yeah. Um, Little Richard did convince James Brown to record a demo. I don't know if it was in, in the scene as Little Richard's working at a burger joint, but uh, they did know each other. Um, guys did leave the group because of the billing of the group as James Brown and his famous flames. Um, he really did finance the live, the Apollo album, live album himself. It stayed on the pop charts for a year and two months. Or it might've been a year and three months. He said 66 weeks. Uh, but that he really did finance it himself. His bandmate, he made his bandmates call him Mr. Brown. Um, the Vietnam scene was uh, fabricated. <laughs> that when they're was Flying in the plane? Yeah. Okay, I didn't think that
1: was. There's no way that he would be in that type of danger flying in. That was
0: insane. Uh, there are two wives that were not referenced in the movie. Um, Adrian, who he married in 1984, because I remember there was a scene, I can't remember what show I was watching. But James Brown was—I guess he was having—he had these tax issues, and he needed to make money, so he, um, he was on. Remember the TV show called Amen?
1: Oh, I do with uh, Sherman Helmsley.
0: Yeah, he was yeah. a guest on that show because there was a episode they were doing like a telethon. They needed a celebrity, so James Brown happened to be in town, and so <clears> they bring <throat> in James Brown, and because he got a line he gets a pay bump. Hmm. So he got he had a couple of lines, but then his wife he wanted his wife to have a line. So now she has a pay bump for mm-hmm. her appearance. And then his manager got a <laughs> line. So he gets a pay bump. <laughs> so um they made They made some money as far as that, uh, as far as like being making a cameo appearance on that show. Mm -hmm. But I remember someone mentioning that because they got lines and they got paid more. Nice. (laughs) Um, She's not referenced in the film, and also I remember uh, he married uh, again uh, a woman named Tommy Ray, who was a background singer. And I don't know if they had any kids, but he married her and there was no reference to her. Um, But the marriage was not valid because she was still married. At the Mm -hmm. time. So but no, no reference to either of them. And also no reference to Al Sharpton, who was for a time his road manager they probably
1: would have made the movie very
0: controversial
1: if you did. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's, this is a good website though. I'm I'm on there now. This is a really good website.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it needs to be updated as far as just some of their information, but yeah. Um, but like we said, like this movie is all over the place as far as like it's style. Uh, what, and what it, was supposed to be what they wanted it to be. Um, I think it could have been better, uh, better put together as far as if you wanted to have these flashbacks or to have this story arc. um, I think there are, there are some, some things that could have been done. And if they didn't use the, either of these books, they didn't use the autobiography or the one by RJ Smith. I mean, maybe I felt like that though, use this, use your source material, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. I think D- things step- would have, would have some things could have been done better. <clears throat> if you're trying to have the, these fantastic sequences as far as like fantasy sequences or yeah. a long, or him breaking the fourth wall using like, okay, from the book, from his autobiography, what did he say? You know? Yeah. So i it could have been, this definitely could have been better. That's why I say the script let the performances down because they did what they could with their material. But with better material, this could have been much better. And it, mm-hmm. and that part is, is, <clears throat> that's why I, it, I waited like four or five years to watch this movie because <laughs> I, I just felt like, man, I'm going to be let down by this. And this is a guy like, He's the face of my hometown. Yeah. So it's I, I knew I I just I it wasn't gonna be I, I I definitely had to lower my expectations, but it I just from watching it, I think anybody a lot of people could say that this should have been a lot better. And there yeah. are clear instances where this should have been a better movie. Mm-hmm. I
1: agree. Uh, I mean, it's I, not like you don't have good you don't have good source material. Yeah, and you had a ton of good, um, a ton of talent in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, and at one point, uh, Spike Lee was going to direct this. I had heard about this movie a long time ago before it came out, and mm-hmm. I heard Spike Lee was going to direct it, and Wesley Snipes was playing James Brown. Ugh. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting um, maybe <laughs> I don't I don't I don't, think... don't Real. I like I I don't know if I don't know if Wesley could have pulled it off I really don't
1: I was gonna say how many floating dolly shots do you think we get from um, <laughs> oh you gotta have he,
0: he, at least two there'll be there'll be one or two in there <laughs>
1: Like you'd see all the Spike Lee isms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably don't get as many fantasy scenes. Maybe not even. No, anything. you know what? And it would have just...
0: been one. It would have been one if they kept it how it was when he's walking down the tunnel before the uh, the Omni concert. Uh huh. And ha- and hearing all the flashbacks and all the sounds—that's the Dolly shot.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And he's just kind of looking down. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on Spike Lee. He's done a lot of good work, but he definitely has his things. <laughs> he does.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they said that, oh, uh, Taraji P. Henson was rumored to be in it as Tammy Terrell. Really? Uh, I don't know the connection there, but that would have been I don't interesting either. to see. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was wondering that,
1: like, well, I don't get that.
0: Okay, I don't know why they put Nick Eversman join the cast to play Mick Jagger. He didn't have any lines. No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> Made no sense. Uh, the The film was shot over seven weeks. Um, that and feels the, really quick. Yeah, maybe hmm. that was part of the why it didn't come off the way it could have were they, they they rush this I don't know
1: yeah well I mean I, I really just think honestly it it had a lot to do with I, editing felt like it I felt I feel like if you know this is one of those movies where I always hear about directors cuts and things like that I'd be curious to see you know if this was the director's cut or if the studio got a hold of it I was trying to find out which studio released it um but it 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 feels like it probably I want to believe that the director had this in a better order that
0: makes more sense. And there were some, (laughs) uh, some critics, they, they praised Chadwick's performance. Uh, Also Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Smith who played little Richard Um, people, a lot of people remember he got some good reviews, even though he was in Mm -hmm. for five seconds, but he's very, he's memorable. Um, One group, well, this guy says, Found the film not just good, great, better than The Help, which I quite admire, and Ray, which I love. No. This film is not even close to Ray. It's really not I haven't seen Ray yet, but I it's, it's I, I know it's
1: not better than Walk the Line.
0: <laughs> I don't think no. It's not it's not better than that. Can't be.
1: Walk the line was dark. We we should discuss that I haven't seen that in a long time, but they went some places in that film. <laughs> They really did. I,
0: I I got that on the list. I got Walk the Line and Ray on the list. Do you have Walk Hard on the list? <laughs> I I don't think I do, but yeah, we can talk silly. about that one too. That so hilarious. <laughs>
1: um
0: but yeah, that's yeah. I haven't
1: seen Ray, but I, I even though I haven't seen it, I don't think it's better than Ray. <laughs> um
0: yeah. so yeah. Um Well, uh, what any, any other, anything else you would like to add about this, about this film, as far as what you thought or, um, or criticisms or anything?
1: Nothing really. I mean, I think we've kind of, I think we've given it more than I thought we were going to give it initially, which is not a bad thing. Um, that's why you have a co-host because things that I don't (laughs) think of, you think of and vice versa. Um, you know, which is, is good because I, when I was watching, I was, you know, I kept thinking that and I was like, is it just me that thinks that this movie is just like completely out of order? And I get, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, you know, we're trying to make it different. You don't have to do that. You can do it the right way, you know? So, but no, I have nothing else to say.
0: All right. Um, for one okay all right well we'll get to my earworm of the week then that will conclude our discussion about get on up so my earworm of the week um i know it didn't ask what we have been listening to recently but um I've, I've gone back to listening to uh the Pop playlist that okay. i made for for that episode and um one act that uh, he's one of those I guess will only be known in 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 the UK in America rather than America <laughs> is a band called Scritty Polity.
1: Oh, I remember them. They had that um oh god, what was that song? Perfect time. Perfect or... Way. Perfect Way, yeah, that's a good song.
0: Uh, but this is another song. Um because when I heard it, I heard like some talk box on it. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to look it up and it's Roger Troutman. So he had Roger Troutman oh, nice. on this on this particular album. Um nice. and also Miles Davis. It's interesting. But um so this is uh from their album Provision. It's a song called Boom There She Was. Mm-hmm. And I I remember watching the I watched the video and it's like man the lead singer looks really really uncomfortable <laughs> as far as <laughs> like, because it was like a one of those like you know the concert format and he's like in the middle and it's this up-tempo dance song and it's like he really looks uncomfortable in the middle (laughs) of everybody but um i still think it's a good song so this is boom there she was by scritty palitti uh featuring roger troutman and uh we'll be right back Subtitles Is Boom There She Was by Screedy Politti from their album Provision from nineteen eighty eight. Uh sounds from,
1: sounds like the other song.
0: Uh well very similar. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah. Uh also Miles Davis is on this album. And he had done a cover of perfect way on his album. Nice. So there's the connection. All right. Um, that'll bring us to the end. This is the end of this episode. Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, I can. So if
1: you're listening to us now, thanks for listening. You found us. However, if you want to tell your friends how to find us, uh, uh-huh. So you can check us out at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, If you want to um, find us on Instagram, you can find us at by the time you hear this. So the website spelled with the word you, Y-O-U, the Instagram as well as our email by the time you hear this at gmail.com is spelled with the letter U and that is because we're urban. Yes. And we're voting and we we highly um, encourage you to as well. Yes. Um with our sporadic schedule, who knows if we'll be able to tell you to vote before the next before the election. Um uh, I have weeks. I have voted already though. Yes. I need to get out and vote. I am I, I recently moved and I gotta find out where I need to go. But encourage everyone to vote. Doesn't matter who you're voting for, do your civic duty. Um especially if you're, you know, not to make it about race and stuff, but especially if you're black. A lot of people fought really hard for you to get that right. So um If you want to show them some respect, go out and vote. All right. I'm done being deep. All right. So um, (laughs) now if you want to um, hear us um, on the go, because that's how most people listen to podcasts. Now, I don't have a clever, if you're trying to avoid, I don't know, maybe I guess if you're trying to avoid that um, person at the grocery store that won't wear a mask because he can't breathe. I don't know. (laughs) That idiot. If you're trying to avoid that person, I hope I didn't polarize anybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but whatever. Um, you're trying to avoid that person who's spouting their conspiracy theories about masks and how this is like a plot by the government. Um, you know, throw in your earbuds, um, your AirPods, or whatever you got, and take a listen to us. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or music, or something. Something like, on something like that. Yeah, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, TuneIn Radio, Listen Notes. Um, and apparently soon, oh, well, Auto Radio. And then Satchel Podcast Player, which lets you hear podcasts made in your area, and then apparently coming soon, Amazon Podcasts, because they just—they're not doing enough apparently. (laughs) They're not—it's not enough that they can ship anything to you within like thirty minutes. They've got (laughs) to, or that they own Whole Foods. Uh, Now they got (laughs) to get into the the podcast thing. I am curious to see if they will do like Spotify, where Spotify is a ton of exclusive content, um, basically signed a deal with The Ringer, signed a very controversial deal with Joe Rogan. I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently um, they want to censor Joe Rogan and his listeners are not happy about that, and it kind of puts Joe Rogan in a bind because it's like, you hired Joe Rogan to be Joe Rogan. <laughs> now you don't want him to be Joe Rogan. And it's just like, I mean, like, how much sense does that make? Apparently, he's like the, he has the biggest pod. He's like the biggest podcaster ever. I didn't know that. Like his yeah, podcast, it's like him does and like,
0: Mark Marin, I think. Yeah, and they just Adam do like Carolla,
1: these insane numbers. Um, so I don't know why you would sign him, pay him all this money, and then say, "Hey, yeah, don't do that." <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. It reminds me of when. The well actually this never mind because they should they wouldn't have known that. When I will say it anyway though, because it's a sports reference, I love basketball. When um Shaq talked about how Glenn Rice, when they brought Glenn Rice over, and they were like he wasn't a good catch and shoot person because he was better at like off the dribble moving shoot um three pointers. Yeah. And like he just didn't fit. And it's just like, huh. Probably should have studied that. <laughs> 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 to, to get that. Like there's people they pay like a lot of money to know that. Like, how did they not get that? But you know it is what it is. So, but yeah, check us out, yo. We'd really appreciate it. Leave a five star review. Any less, and uh, we're gonna assume you're a hater.
0: Yep, we have no yep. choice. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, um, we're gonna end the show with. Uh, hold on, I was trying to find the song from the that he did on the Tammy show, "Out of Sight." Also, what's interesting is that I watched the um, when I watched the movie, uh, I had the captions on, mm-hmm. and <laughs> for, for me to understand the the lyrics, like I like, oh, that's what he said, because <laughs> <laughs> out of sight it's like, oh, you got your high heel sneakers on. That's what he said. I otherwise it just sounds like gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I found it. So, we're going to play the song um, Out of Sight, which he performed on the Tammy show, in which uh, the Rolling Stones closed that show for some reason. And uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Don't forget to vote. Peace. Peace.